0: Today we're gonna we're gonna continue on to talk about prayer as we have. Uh, we're gonna continue in this series uh, to boldly go. We've been in for I don't know four or so weeks, and last week Pastor Ross talked about prayer and was encouraging us in prayer. He was going through several big ideas, and lo and behold, he didn't make it through all of them. Hey. <laughs> Dad, you're not supposed to say that out loud. Everyone's thinking it. We're just not supposed to say it. And so today, uh, today we're going to kind of continue through some of those. He gave us some incredible ideas. And really the crux of last week really came down to the idea of us praying from our position in heaven. Praying, being united with Christ and having power, that we don't pray like worms here on earth with no power, no authority, but because we are united with Christ, we have power when we pray. We can pray from that position in heaven to ask God to do his will here on the earth so we're going to continue through from from that perspective. We're going to continue through some of the more practical things that he wanted to say last week and didn't get to and we're going to dig in on a couple other ideas as well. Uh, last night I was thinking about I was thinking about my kids as we were praying before we went to bed last night. And uh, I love these times when you get together with your kids because there's such a there's such a simplicity in their prayers and such an honesty and most of the time such an enjoyment. Now a lot of times that's probably because they're they're rolling around on the ground many nights and kicking their feet while they're praying, dear Jesus, and they're you know just enjoying themselves. But I don't mind that. I love that. And they're praying these very sincere, very pure prayers. And it reminded me of some prayers from kids that I've heard through the years, and I thought, maybe worth just taking a moment to think about a bunch of kids who really seem to enjoy prayer. Praying prayers like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, Howard, be thy name. <laughs> Appreciate that prayer, but I'm not sure that you can just change the Lord's name like that. Uh, this, this is a, a classic prayer uh, part of the Lord's Prayer, slightly misunderstood, lead a snot into temptation. <laughs> well, I mean, really, you kind of want to get rid of those, so I suppose that's appropriate. Uh, the kid that prayed, Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> nice try, I appreciate that. But, uh, Dear God, it must be super hard to love all the people in the world, especially my brother. I don't know how you do it. That that might have been one of my girls. I'm not sure. Uh, Dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I grow up, but without so much hair all over, said Isla. Um, (laughs) Hey, if he can say it up here, Uh, (laughs) I love this prayer. Dear God, is it true my father won't get into heaven if he uses his golf words in the house? (laughs) Dear God, I say your prayer every night. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us some email. But I never get any email. Do you have my right address? Dear God, in Bible times, did they really talk that fancy? Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. Works out pretty good with me and my brother. Finally, uh, (laughs) this one could potentially sting a little bit. Dear God, is Pastor Dan a friend of yours, or do you just know him through the business? (laughs) Yeah, right? Ow. (laughs) That's actually a good question to ask. (laughs) So let's continue on this morning by talking about prayer. And talking about knowing God a little bit more through than than just through the business. <laughs> because I I want to say some things this morning that, that I think I'm not supposed to say. I want to say a couple things that uh, we'll call it stuffs that stu- stuffs. That's what you're not supposed to say. We'll call it stuff that Pastors probably aren't supposed to tell you about prayer. Some of the pastors probably aren't supposed to say about prayer like this, and I'll say it because it is true of my life. Rare is the person that hits it 100 percent of the time? I don't. I just don't. I, I, I aim. I aim high. I aim for the best that I can, but I don't hit it every day. It's pretty normal for your mind to wander when you pray. You might think, what's wrong with me? Why am I so distracted? Well, you're a human being and you live on the earth and so it's okay. You just keep going. My mind is very prone to wandering, believe me. Squirrel. Uh, There are times, there are times when I'm not sure what to pray about. I mean, there there are moments where either either on a specific topic that we're digging into, or times when I just come into my prayer closet and I kind of go, Ooh, "I don't know," but there are ways to deal with that. We'll talk about those. It's sometimes difficult and feels like you're going nowhere. <laughs> It's the honest truth of prayer. Listen, there are great prayer meetings. I mean, Tuesday and Saturday, frankly, have been really good prayer meetings. But I've been to lots of prayer meetings, my own included, just in my own prayer closet, when it's been kind of difficult and they just haven't been good. But you know what we do? We just keep moving forward, we just keep pressing forward. Lastly, stuff I'm probably not supposed to say, there are days and seasons where it is just dry and laborious. It just is. But it's in those moments where you just have faith and you just keep going. There are moments where you don't hit 100% of the time, you miss it and you just pick up again the next day. It's not like, have you ever been on a diet? No, why would I do that? Have you seen me? Uh, If you've ever been on a diet, there's a temptation that comes along with dieting. And in the morning, what happens is, maybe you blow the diet all in one shot. You have breakfast, you're thinking, oh, I'm gonna go get some grapefruit, and I'm gonna go have a little grapefruit, and maybe a little granola, and I'm gonna, oh, pancakes. And so you eat that, and then for the rest of the day, you're like, well, I already blew it all, so I might as well just give up. And Have you ever done that? Yeah. Listen, don't do that with prayer. (laughs) Don't just say, oh, man, I missed it. I didn't get it. I didn't hit that time. I missed that day. I missed those three days. I missed a whole week. I might as well just give up. Don't give up. Get up the next morning. Brush off and go again. This is what we do. Don't stop. Don't go back. Keep moving forward. I can tell probably by your response already that you feel like me a lot of times. <laughs> you you sometimes feel guilty about your prayer life. Can I encourage you to stop it? <laughs> Don't feel guilty about it. Just go again. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel condemnation. Don't let the enemy pull you down with that. Get up and go again. Oftentimes we feel guilty just because our prayer lives are somewhat non-existent outside of our needs or crises. And so like Pastor Ross mentioned last week, sometimes you just just throw up the prayer, you throw up the Hail Mary pass. It's my last resort, so here we go. I'm hoping for the best. I got nothing else. I think there is something to be said about praying desperate prayers, but maybe not the kind of desperate prayers that you think of when I say that. When I say desperate prayers, I don't mean the last resort kind of prayers. I mean the kind of prayers that are desperate for God to move. A desperate longing for him. A desperate longing to see him in my life, in our family lives, in our church, in our city, in our schools, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. Let's read this passage from Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to start in verse 46. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus Blind Bartimaeus receives his, receives his sight, and in verse 46 of Mark 10, it says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He wasn't waiting. It wasn't necessarily his last resort. As soon as he realized the opportunity that Jesus was there, which, by the way, for you and for me is always, when Jesus was there, he cried out, not as his last resort, as his first resort, but in a desperate longing, a desperate plea for what he needed. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And verse 48 many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. This is what life will do to you. This is what the enemy will do to you. This is what circumstances will do to you. They will say, be quiet. Just shush, stop it, stop praying, stop being so loud. Stop causing such a ruckus, Dad. (laughs) Love you, Dad. (laughs) That's in prayer, by the way, all right? If you heard my dad pray, you can hear him from California. And uh, so, so, uh, don't cause such a ruckus, be quiet. Hey, you, you're bothering everybody, be quiet circumstances of life, people that surround you, oh, that's not going to work. Are you believing that? You really believe that there's a God who will help you and come to your aid and rescue you, and that's something that you actually believe? You better believe I do. I've seen him do it over and over and over again. And even in those moments when I think he may not this time, I'm still going to keep asking because he's faithful and true, and I'm going to keep going. And this is what Bartimaeus did. He kept going, even though everything around him said, be quiet, but, verse 48 continues, but he shouted all the more. I'm not just gonna be quiet. I'm gonna go stronger. I'm gonna go harder. I'm gonna press in more. I'm gonna dig a little deeper. I'm gonna reach a little further. I'm gonna get there. I want Jesus to hear me. And by the way, he does hear you. He hears you. He hears the smallest prayer. He hears the loudest prayer. But he responds here to this desperate longing from Bartimaeus. In verse 49, just two incredible words that I I love. It says, Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. And he said, call him. Call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up. Hey man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, throwing aside everything that might hinder, putting aside anything that might trip him up, getting rid of all the stuff that could ensnare his feet, laying it aside, he got up and he went to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. And what did he do? He followed Jesus down the road. He was able to see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Bartimaeus' life changed forever. Changed forever because he called out to Jesus, despite all the circumstances. He kept praying a desperate longing of a prayer and he didn't give up. Our desperate prayers shouldn't be last resorts. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. I think there is something to be said about praying those desperate prayers. But I like to think about it like this because a lot of times I feel like we, we, we either do one of two. We either pray out of our own desperation, oh God help, Ah, or we pray strictly out of discipline. Now I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, I think that actually is a good thing. You pray out of discipline. You pray because that's what you do and that's what your character is. And you want to see God move and so you just keep seeking. You keep longing. You keep pursuing. But I want to encourage us today to not look at either or. I think it's both and. I think what we do is we need to begin to learn to pray out of desperation or a desperate longing and with discipline. Pray out of that desperate longing. Let it grow inside of you. But what about enjoying prayer? (laughs) Where's the space for that? Well, I I don't think it is the most important thing, but I think it is possible. (laughs) Many of you are saying, huh? You serious? I should enjoy it? I thought it was just something I kind of had to do every morning when I woke up and I got to kind of check off the religious checklist. That's not what we do. I think that enjoying prayer is a possibility. And here, I think, is a secret. We will enjoy prayer when we truly enjoy God. We will truly learn and begin to enjoy praying when we truly learn who God is. And this is the difficulty, isn't it? Because we don't necessarily know because we haven't spent enough time. Or we don't necessarily believe because we have an incorrect view of who God is based on any number of factors. Based on a father figure that was incorrect. Uh, It could be anything that you could think of. And our view of God just is lacking. So we don't understand who God truly is. So it's not a joy to come to him. If we're really going to learn to enjoy prayer, which I think is possible, and really is at the core of what I wanted to say today, and I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to encourage us in this morning. To enjoy prayer, it's going to take study. It's going to take time to grow. It's going to mean that you invest in the relationship. It's going to mean that you invest the time. And here's what I think has to happen. Real prayer is driven by relationship not need or crisis real prayer is driven by our relationship with him not need or crisis you could replace the word real maybe with continual prayer you could even replace the word real with enjoyable prayer prayer is driven by relationship not need or crisis it's in john chapter 5 verses 39 through 40 through 40 where Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, he's saying, look, you look to the scriptures to have eternal life, but you're missing that the scriptures, they point to me, and yet you refuse to come to me to find life. Come to me, the person of Jesus. Our prayers can't skip over relationship and skip into a bunch of practical things that we gotta do so that we can become good prayers. Oh, Brent, I'm not a very good prayer." I can't pray in front of people at the prayer meetings because I don't know what I'm doing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jesus is listening and he wants to hear what you have to say. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be eloquent. I can't pray like them. Good, pray like you. You don't have to pray like anybody else. So what happens is then, ultimately, you have to remember, it's not a bunch of practical steps where you become a good prayer. Prayer is coming to a person. His name is Jesus. This is what we do. And if we can learn to do it, we'll start to love prayer. We'll start to enjoy prayer. When you enjoy prayer, you do it more. Don't you like to be with people that you enjoy? I love being with my wife, she's my favorite. She's the best. It doesn't matter what we do. I can just sit there and just look at her. <laughs> I, I can sit there and just look at her. Or or, I can, or, or, or we can just sit in quiet. It, it doesn't matter. We can go do anything. We can go watch a movie. And I'm just sitting enjoying my life because she's there. We can be in the midst of an incredible conversation. I love it. Why? Because I love her, and I'm so excited to be with her. Just driving in the car while the kids yell and scream. Would you just be quiet in the back seat? (laughs) I love being with her. She's there. I enjoy being with her. I want to be with her more and more and more and more. I'm disappointed when I'm not with her. There are days when I go away from the house, and I close the door, and I walk away, and I go, oh, man. I just want to stay because I love her. I love this family. I just want to be there. Listen, wouldn't it be great? What would happen if all of us started to live like that with Jesus? What would happen if we really invested time and relationship in God Almighty? What would happen if we started to truly fall in love with who He really is instead of who we think He is? What would happen then? And we begin to enjoy prayer, we would pray more. <laughs> and as we know from last week, prayer stimulates the activity of the Holy Spirit. More prayer is always better than less prayer. So what we're going to do in these final moments today is I want to talk to you just about enjoying prayer. Now, for those of you that have been to the prayer meetings, you are, you've heard these points. For some of you, it's ad nauseum. You've heard Pastor Ross or me or others talk about these five points so much. But today, I want to roll through them quickly so that we can all be on the same page. So that our church can begin to invest in that relationship and in the person of Jesus in specific ways. So you have, think of these as kind of a few tools in your toolbox to be able to invest in that relationship. Does that make sense to you? So again, it'll be familiar to a lot of you, I know. But let's go through them. We'll go as quickly as we can. And then uh, we'll pray together and we'll go. So for enjoying prayer, some of the ways that we can do this and some of the ways that we do this here at One Chapel. Number one is pray the scriptures. Praying the scriptures. Hebrews 4.12, it says, The word of God is alive and it's active it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit. My dad used this this morning. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I love that passage because it says a few things about the word of God that are very important for you to think about. Number one, it's alive. It's alive. It lives. It's not a dead text. It's not over. It's not finished. It's alive. It lives. It lives in us. Number two, it's active. It's not passive. It's actively working. It's moving. It is accomplishing something as it goes forth. Number three, it penetrates. It goes deep to the heart of our lives it says it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit and further joints and marrow. It goes down deep into our hearts, deep down into our spirits, discerning our motives. It says judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, which is the last thing it judges. It reveals our true motives in life. So the Bible then is the best source material for all of our prayers. The Bible is the very best source material for our prayers. Why? Because God already agrees with everything that he's already said. He already spoke it. He did it on purpose. That means he's in agreement with it. So when you pray that, there is power to it. So often, though, we get hung up. We're like, oh, man, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I got nothing to say I, or, or, or even in direction in life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I, I don't know. I don't hear anything from God. And all the while, here's the word over here on the side saying, hello. Hello. Hey, over here. Listen. Oh God! I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Hey, open me. Read me. Did you hear something? <laughs> hey. Hmm. Hello. It's there. He gave it. you got to back up a little bit and realize the Holy Spirit spoke. He breathed through Bible authors, and they wrote down what he wanted to say to those people at that time that continues on to us today. And so when you realize that that's the truth, man, it becomes exciting. It becomes incredible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in Righteousness. So when we pray the scripture back to God, we are in agreement with him and in agreement with what he wants to do. So what does that look like? Well, if you've been to some of the prayer meetings, you have an idea. But let me just give you just a a quick idea. Let's just pray over this really quick. If you consider a verse like 2 Corinthians 4.4. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't clearly see the truth, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you take that verse, and you can read that verse, and then you begin to pray over it. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would bind the God of this age that had blinded the minds of unbelievers. We pray that you would remove the blinders from their eyes. We pray that you would cause them to be able to see. We pray they'd see clearly and truly who you really are. Father, let them know you. Draw them to you. God, cancel the plans of the enemy and allow your people to see. It's not hard. (laughs) And he agrees with that prayer. You can know that you're praying what God wants, and there is great power in that. Does that make sense to you? So use it. Utilize it. It's one of the ways that you can begin to enjoy prayer. Number two. Everybody say number two. Number two, we pray in Jesus' name. John 14, 12 through 14, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. You do realize, don't you, that in Jesus' name is not the ending of the prayer. It's not how you close prayer down. Oh, I'm landing the plane. Here it comes. Here it comes. So now is when I say, oh, in Jesus' name, amen. No, in fact, it may very well be that that is the moment. After you've prayed what you want to pray, and you say, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name, the name that is the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. You have the authority of Jesus when you pray. Romans 8:17 says that we are heirs of God and we are co-heirs with Christ. We're part of the family. We get what Jesus gets. And we can pray in that name. But Romans 8:17 does continue on to say if, everybody say if. If, if we will share in his sufferings so that we may also share in his glory. That's an important part to remember. You're a co-heir with Christ if you will share in his sufferings so that you may also share in his glory. You belong to the family. You can use his name. You can pray from that position in heaven. So when you pray and you say, in Jesus' name, remember, remember, That is where the authority comes from, not from you and not from anywhere else. Number three, everybody say three. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he searches our hearts, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. In John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23, it counts after Jesus has risen from the dead. He's meeting once again with the disciples, and it says that he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit, I think this is similar to what happens when we say yes to Jesus. We say yes to follow him. The spirit of God comes and lives inside of us. And if you've said yes to Jesus, the spirit of God lives in you. But then he said, now I want you to go and I want you to wait for the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the one who I said is going to come, the comforter. Wait for him to come. So in Acts chapter 2, we see that moment on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. And there's another experience that these same disciples have where they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe not just filled, but baptized, submerged, emerged, overflowing with the Spirit of God. And they spoke in other tongues or wordless groans in Romans chapter 8. They spoke in tongues, which is an evidence. It's one of the evidences of being filled with the Spirit of God. And I believe that speaking in tongues is a gift from God, a gift from the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. I believe it's something that every one of us can experience and every one of us can do. But it's not required to follow Jesus, it's not a requirement in order to have eternal life with God. Around here, we like to say it this way. I've heard Pastor Ross communicate it this, time, this way a lot of times. It's not a have to. It's a get to. You're not a subpar Christian if you're not able to pray in tongues. But, by the way, you can't. <laughs> you're, not, you're not a lesser Christian. You're not devalued if you don't. I believe that you can pray in the Spirit as well. You just ask. I wanna pray under the direction and be led by the Holy Spirit as I pray in English. I think you can pray those prayers. I think people do that all the time. But I think then you can also pray and ask, Father, would you baptize me in the Holy Spirit and give me a prayer language so that I can speak in other tongues. I wanna have my own prayer language so that I can pray the will of God. I want the Spirit of God to pray through me the will of God that my mind doesn't understand but my spirit does and you know now there's great power in that you want to talk about enjoying prayer (laughs) when you know that you're praying the will of god this is enjoying prayer and lastly oh no there's two more well maybe lastly number four is we pray out loud We pray out loud. This one seems maybe a little bit silly to some of you, but Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So when we gather together corporately, we pray out loud. Why? Because the power is in the agreement. The power is in the relationships. You could stay at home and pray, and that's fine. But when you gather together, you pray out loud so that we can agree together with what you're saying. It's not very fun to be in a prayer meeting and sit around in silence, and I can't agree with anything that you're saying. I mean, I could guess, I don't know what he's saying, but I bet it's awesome, so God, I agree. Well, that's awkward, and who knows what they might be praying about you. yeah, God, don't do that. (laughs) No, we pray out loud so that we can be in agreement together. And what does that look like? It looks very simply like this. It's not complex. It's not difficult. It's just saying, yes, God. Yes, God, I agree with that. Proclaiming, yes, I believe that. Yes, I'm in on that. Yes, God, count me in for some more of that. Yes, I want to be a part of that. Yes, I want you to do that. Yes, I believe that's who you are. Yes, I believe that's what you do. And there's great power when we come together like that. It's the same thing when you are just praying on your own in your prayer closet. I like to pray out loud. I like to pace. I'm a pacer. I like to pace. I like to move. Why? Because I already confessed to you that I get distracted. So I like to pace. I like to engage. At very minimum, I like to rock. And I don't mean, well, I do like to rock, but uh, not as much as when I was younger because it means a whole other thing now. It's like rocking chairs, but whatever. So I'm not that old, not yet. I like to rock, I like to move, I like to get my body involved in what's going on so that my mind stays in, in motivated and stays focused on what I'm doing and what I'm praying. When I sit down and begin to pray, I have three small children, it's not long before I'm in snooze town. So I like to, I like to pray out loud, even when I'm in my prayer closet. And lastly, we pray continually pray continually. Rejoice always, First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, pray continually. Hmm. How do I do that? Because if I do that, I'm not going to be any good all day long. My kids come not me and say, hey, Daddy, I'm hungry. <laughs> Praying hey daddy can we yeah, praying no that's of course not what it means it means we don't just pray when we gather together like this we keep praying all the time we live a lifestyle of prayer prayer should become intermingled with our daily thoughts our words In our actions, it just becomes a part of who we are. Why? Because we're invested in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Brother Lawrence, in his book that some of you have probably heard of and many of you have probably read, Practicing the Presence of God, he calls it this he calls it an habitual, secret, and silent conversation with God that goes all day long. I think this is one of the ways that you pray continuously. Look, even in the driest times of my life, there's always an awareness. There's always something going on where I'm seeking, I'm looking, there's always something within me that's saying, God, what what do you think about that? Lord, uh, help me with this. Oh, Jesus, I love you so much. And even though I may not spend those mornings seeking and that desperate longing, there is always that continual conversation, that awareness that's going on. I want to encourage you in that today. Look for that. Learn about that. Read about that. Dig into that and see what God might do. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? close with this final verse, James 5, 16. In the New New Living Translation, it says that uh, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. (laughs) I love that. But I think I like it even more when I read it out of the Message Bible. And it says it a different way. It says it like this. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. There's a reckoning. Kind of reminds me of the Old West. <laughs> there's, a, there's a reckoning. There's a, something you've got to deal with. There's something that you've got to Take care of it. it. There's power behind it. Person living right with God. Those prayers, something powerful to be reckoned with. Today there are a few caveats as I talk to you about prayer and enjoying prayer and coming to enjoy it and enjoy Jesus. Romans eight seventeen. We said we're heirs and co-heirs, heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if, if we're willing to share in his sufferings so that we may also share in his glory. James 5, 16 is the same. The prayer of a person that's living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. It's another if that kind of lives in there. Maybe today you need to make that commitment. Maybe today you need to say, I want to be a person in right standing relationship with God. I want to open my life up. I want to be willing to share in his suffering so I can share in his glory. I want to believe that Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, that He gave His life, died on a cross for me, was buried in a tomb and rose again three days later so that He could take on all of my sin, all of my guilt, and all of my shame and pay my debt for all of eternity. I want to choose to believe in that, or I want to choose to believe in that again, and I want to commit my life to live for Him today. If that's you, I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want to ask you to pray it along with me. Maybe mouth it, move your lips, maybe pray it in your heart today. But just make a commitment today so that you can take the next steps forward to enjoying Him and enjoying prayer and praying prayers that are powerful and effective. Jesus, we come to you we thank you that you've provided the way you've given us everything that we need so today we confess our deep deep longing and need for you we are desperate for you we can't do anything anything without you so today we confess our sins to you we confess our wrongdoings we confess our shortcomings and we lay them down at your feet we repent of our old life we turn away from it we turn into a new way of life living for you would you help us We commit our lives to you fresh. We commit our lives to you new. Would you be our Lord? Would you be our Savior? Would you forgive us? Would you teach us how to seek you, know you, chase after you, pursue you, and pray prayers that are powerful and enjoy you? We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name.